0: what's going on boys and girls we have a terrific episode of two white lights for you today me and steve denovi had one of our very special thursday episodes where we cover the sport of powerlifting and we of course had to lead off the show with more announcements for 2021 raw nationals and again it just turns into me yelling at my computer so yeah new rules new guidelines were announced from um With addition to the top five from Raw Nationals in 2019 and the top three from Hometown Showdown, they added top three from 2019 just as a whole, which left, I think, around five or six lifters in there. We covered some of the more prominent ones, but left possibly five to six new lifters being added into the automatic invite for Raw Nationals. And, of course, we talk about them giving early entry to lifetime members, which would cost lifters about two thousand dollars on average. So I get mad about that and uh Steve DeNovi again acts as my therapist and hears me yell and rant about it. And yeah. Uh we covered that for about fifteen minutes and transition to some lighter news. Texas Strength Classic We alluded to it last week. We talk a little bit about the lifters and potential lifters we want to see, or we could see, wouldn't say want, could see in that primetime session, because they are doing a primetime session, and we are not completely sure on how that primetime roster is going to look. So we introduce some of the lifters on there and give you a bit of a background on them. So some of the lifters, Steve knew. Some of the lifters I knew, some of them we both knew, and we're looking for more developments on that. And we get into our Two White Lights topic of the week, should open powerlifting ban federations with subpart standards? We had a really good, interesting conversation about that. Some proposals, some suggestions on how they could change it. Uh, we both came to the conclusion open powerlifting is like the greatest thing to happen to powerlifting. It is seriously, in my opinion, the greatest thing to happen to powerlifting, um, but... Uh, their role has evolved in the sport so we talk about records high squats at backyard meets how they should be judged what the standards should be moving forward steve actually offers a lot of great ideas he's the idea guy of this podcast time to swear at inappropriate times and get really mad about things guy so when you're looking for logic and ideas steve is the dude and before we get into two white lights i want to talk to you guys about a brand that is very special to me, Left Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, visit leftlarbros.com and visit their Instagram. Make sure you are following because when you follow, you get to see the Left Bro fam and you get to see all the designs that they are wearing in the gym at competitions. Uh, they just released some cotton candy new designs with the Left Bros logo, the comp tees, and the hats. They look incredible. I love them. I've gotten so many compliments on the logo, on the design, the comp tee especially. The comp tee is awesome. People love it. And visit Lefler Bros to get yourself some apparel. I'm telling you, they set themselves apart from all the other powerlifting clothing brands. And they continue to do it. They continue to get more creative with their designs. And use promo code 2WL15 to get 15% off of your order. And on top of that, there's two White Lights merch on there too. That's right, you want two white lights merch, you want the original tee, you want the alternate logo fight night tee, go to leftflowerbro.com and use that promo code 2WL15, you will save yourself some money. Remember to do that. Also, go to Rivalist.net, get your Informed Choice supplements. Remember, if you are a drug tested lifter, you do not want to break a drug test using some tainted, weird, pre-workout. Rivalist got you covered with that Informed Choice s- stamp the label it is going to save you green check mark saves lives trust me use promo code angelo15 and get 15 percent off of your informed choice supplements from rivalers also go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear white label black label olive drab get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. It is my preferred gear choice and I absolutely love everything they sell. Use promo code angelo15 to get 15 per, or promo code angelo10, my mistake, angelo10 to get 10% off of your order. It's like one of the best discount codes in powerlifting. I think I hold all of them. So use promo code angelo10 get 10% off your stoic gear and also visit notorious lift Make sure to follow them on Instagram because you do not want to miss out on any design drop that they have on Notorious Lift Deadlift Slippers. No slip drip is a real thing. I use Notorious Slippers after I transitioned from heels. I squatted or I deadlifted and squatted. shoes like an idiot. And my first shoe of choice was Deadlift Slippers, uh, Notorious Deadlift Slippers, and I never looked back because one they're extremely reliable out on the platform and two they make me look great all the designs all the colors they match so many of my clothing so i look great on the platform in the gym and that's like 90 percent of it is looking good so remember go to notorious lift check out the instagram you got to be on the drop you can't just visit notorious lift and get whatever you want you got to be looking out for the drop because it's limited time and those things sell up quick so remember. Go sign up for their newsletter, visit their Instagram page, and all the information will be there. And also, make sure to follow on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you download the episode and also leave a five-star review. And leave a review on iTunes as well. So if you're going to give a five-star rating, say some nice things about Steve and I. We're good dudes. Trust us. Leave the rating and leave the review. And also, make sure to subscribe. now. Here it is, two white light.
1: Oh baby, I like it, bro. Yeah, baby, I like it, bro.
0: Oh baby, I like it, bro. Baby, I like it, bro. <laughs> shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take a away. Off on the natural draw's
1: phone for y'all. From the home of the
0: Brooklyn squad. It is Thursday, February 4th, and Steve Denovi over-under five people who will hold a USAPL lifetime membership.
1: I'm going under. And, well, in, under if they're under 50, maybe a couple 70-year-olds paid the, like, 70 bucks that gets them a
0: lifetime membership. Yeah, who the fuck would have one of these things? That... That was what I was wondering when USAPL sent out their newsletter of the new updated 2021 Raw Nationals uh, qualifiers or registers or the invitees. That's my biggest question. That and their misspelling of lifters. They spelled it litters. But on that newsletter, uh, to bring you guys up to speed, we got some developments uh, for 2021 Raw Nationals we have now a new set of invitees or uh, uh, just people registering. So initially we just got top five from the from 2019 Raw Nationals, top three from the Hometown Showdown. Now they're doing 2019 top three just in general across all weight classes. We'll talk about that, what that means. And the last one that they had to throw in there just to, I'm assuming, piss everyone off in the usapl and all of powerlifting is early registration to people who bought the lifetime membership in the usapl which you say under five people i'm going to say under five people as well who the hell is buying these like two thousand dollar lifetime memberships in the usapl
1: i have no. i i don't remember the math i did it i remember when they announced this like last year i did the math and it really doesn't even save you that much no like you're banking on that U.S. I mean, I would love for USA Power Team to make it for a long time, but, like, I'm 33, and you're saying I need to have a membership for the next 50 years and hope that they're still relevant in 50 years I'm going to still be paying for the membership. So, yeah, that that's an interesting one. That was an interesting one in total. I think, I mean, from I think what we gather, let's say two people have a lifetime membership let's say that's that's a conservative estimate maybe that's an aggressive estimate but let's say yeah. that's, that's an estimate six people total i believe now get into nationals that didn't get in before between those two rules yeah. possibly maybe five maybe six
0: yeah possibly and the person who is spending the the money for the lifetime membership who is going to do raw nationals god bless you because you're insane you're crazy. You are a crazy person for buying a lifetime membership for the USAPL. Because also you're banking on you just being able to powerlift lift into your 50 or 60 anyways. Like, mm-hmm. dude, I haven't signed anything on for lifetime. Like, my gym membership is yearly. I would rather buy, like, a five-year gym membership as opposed to a five- to ten-year lifetime membership for the USAPL. But that's just one thing. That's just one thing that is really pissing me off. We can start with the 2019 top three being invited to Raw Nationals because that's something that I think a lot of people do agree with. That was a new rule or that was a new um, criteria for inviting people to Raw Nationals. And I like it for the most part, even though I believe it was created solely for a few obvious lifters like that don't want to be left out of Raw Nationals. And the USAPL knows it's in their best interest to keep them in Raw Nationals.
1: Yeah, So um, obviously there needed to be larger skill changes than that. But um, I think the lifters that we know of that are now in that weren't in because of that rule. um, The biggest one is Daniela Mello, which Mm -hmm. she needed to be in. I mean, she's the runaway winner, most likely for 76 kilos. So to not have her in nationals or risk not having her nationals would be terrible. Um, Dave Wilson, maybe we're still not sure on that one um, because his total comes from, an IPF competition, not from USAPL. So um, I think we're not positive yet if that transfers, but hopefully it does because he would have been very high on our potential snub list. Um, John Gruden gets in. I don't really know if he cares to get in. Obviously he has like, in the sense of powerlifting, he kind of does something really cool by being the strength conditioning coach for the Oakland Raiders. And I mm-hmm. don't think his priority is raw nationals, but maybe now he can do it because it's in June, not during the season. And I think the other one I heard of was Tina Tornado Mm -hmm. is the fourth one that gets in. So as far as we know, those are the four that possibly fit into that rule that now have automatic qualifying spots.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I I mean, for me, getting that information, I was like, okay, I like that because, yes, you know, Daniela Mello, even though there's parts of me, I'm like, Okay, I'm still not completely cool with using totals from two years ago and him having jump over people who competed specifically in twenty twenty for twenty twenty one Raw nationals. But with Daniela Mello's case is most likely the runaway winner for seventy six KG, you need her in there. She and by all accounts is definitely within the top five female competitors. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, possibly number one. You know, it's a real debate there. You're, you're possibly going to exclude the best female lifter in the world. So, of course, keep her in there. I was super excited for Deuce Gruden because here's the thing. It's in June, which I believe that's a good time for him to compete. And he has expressed yeah. interest in competing again. I've spoken to him a few times, and he said, if I can get into Raw Nationals when it's not during the season, I'm in. Dude wants to compete. And I believe he lives in Jupiter, Florida. I'm not 100% okay. sure on that. So, it's going to be it, – the it, the stars align for Deuce Gruden, and that's a guy who's, like, not really in the 83 kg conversation all the time, and he totally should be. He yeah. might very well be the third best lifter and possibly the second best lifter there, too, depending on yeah, how – I mean, we have no idea because you yeah. don't get to see his training very much. Yeah. So – I was personally excited for that because he's in the weight class, and he's a guy who I think is always copping at the bit to compete, but he is just not able to because what you said, strength and conditioning coach for the Oakland Raiders, there's no days off in the NFL. You got to go. Uh, Tino Tornado, of course, there's, there's you know, I guess that would be the one that I might disagree on because, again, it's a total from two years ago, not exactly standing up, and he's not quite a Mandalorian. and Stanela Mello, Deuce Gruden type lifter, um, in my opinion. She's definitely she's
1: definitely a primetime lifter, but yeah. in the sense of like the other three invited, I'm not she hasn't doesn't have quite the accolades that those three have.
0: Yes, uh, for sure. So I guess with that that new rule I was I was okay with, it. I think most people were, but that addition of the lifetime members get early registration. I think that pissed pretty much every single lifter in the USAPL off, whether you qualify for Nationals or not. It was such a goddamn slap to the face. A disgraceful move when you are ahead of a competitive sports organization to invite lifters who spend more money and give them early priority over to lifters who may have deserved it based on merit, based on performance. I just – I don't – we had an episode about how USAPL should be on ESPN, and this alone shows like, no, you don't even fucking deserve that. What I, – I, there's no words to describe how idiotic that is and how just blatantly money-grabbing it is because I think the hope was, hey, all right, so March 1st, is that going to be that big deadline? Let's hope some of these dumbasses pay $2,000 so we can make a quick buck here before that March 1st. And, you know, if, you know, even if five people buy it, boom, we just made $10,000. That's all it was. That, that's all it really was. This is how, how can we con the lifters into panic buying this lifetime membership? Because I'm assuming no one's purchased it and they want to see if they can squeeze out a little extra money from us before that March 1st thing. And I know there was lifters who were telling them to, hey, can we do this based off top 14 within each weight class? I know lifters told them that. I've seen personal emails being sent to them. They got back to those emails. We've made enough noise on social media. People were tagging USA Powerlifting in our posts and a lot of other high-level lifters posts on King of the List posts. They saw that, and their conclusion, their idea at the end of it was like, all right, well, let's just, let's just continue to try to money grab, right? Let's see if we can milk a little bit more money out of this. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, we've talked about we're okay with money raps. Yes. That is an okay thing. Just not
0: that. Yes. The Super Bowl is this week. The Chiefs and the Buccaneers didn't pay the NFL a little bit extra so they got priority into the playoffs. It didn't happen. This is a joke. This there, is are an...
1: people, there, there are people that talking about, like, they're not going to snub Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady because guess what? Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady brings them revenue. Uh, There are people that are not on this list. I mean, the biggest one in the sense of brings the USAPL revenue is Johnny Candido. mm -hmm. He's the biggest one. While he might not be the biggest snub in the sense of like just total,
0: and and
1: even though he is very competitive and a primetime lifter, in the sense of what he brings to USA Powerlifting has brought to USA Powerlifting, he's brought them way more money than a lifetime membership has. Yes. Yes. They should be scratching the back of the people bringing them money versus saying – buy my lifetime membership, and then you're worth a spot in Nationals.
0: Yes, I I couldn't agree more with you on that one. And it's not even – because I know that this doesn't really dictate anything. I know that the very – like, the fact that they bought up the lifetime membership, you get early registration, I know that doesn't really um, alter anything too much because there's not a lot of lifters who have a lifetime membership. It's the principle. The fact that they did this and now – with that information, I really have to go on my laptop and hopefully get my auto fill in just on time so I can get through that first come first serve registration and give the USAPL my money after they just kind of showed me what they think of the competitor. That, that, I mean, it makes my skin crawl. I don't, I, I, I feel dirty doing it. I'll feel like less of a person for actually doing that just based on the principle. Like, I mean, I would really have just preferred they kept that a secret from me. Because now that I know that, I'm just looking at them like, what the hell are you thinking?
1: But I think one thing you're missing, I do believe you get a special jacket if you sign up for the Lifetime membership.
0: Oh, is it a members-only jacket? Because fucking, they're all stuck in the 1980s, so might as well make it a members-only jacket. I mean,
1: we might see two of those at Nationals.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I just... I, I, it's either I have to put on a single play suit for them to notice me or I have to give them just $2,000 straight up cash for the USAPL to respect your average raw lifter who actually cares about the sport. I started a goddamn podcast based on my love for powerlifting. I spent my time with the sport and so many other people do too. Like You mentioned Johnny Candido. We had all the list of the snubs who really do care about this who care that the fact they're not going to be put on the highest stage and compete against the best lifters. And, I mean, it's, it's just such a spit to the face for everyone, every high-level competitor who takes competition seriously, to announce that. Again, I don't think it, it doesn't really dictate a whole lot, but it's really just where their priorities are. And I know a lot of lifters personally, it just kind of makes everyone sick.
1: Well, we're going to have, assuming they don't change anything, because it looks like they're not going to now. Like, if they're going to do that. That's a pretty bold statement. They're sticking yeah. with this plan somehow. The The next one will be March 1st to see not only who gets in, but, like, the weird distribution of who gets in. Yeah. Because it's not by weight class. I mean, it uh, the, the lightweight men could be all 66 kilos and no other 83s get in because of autofill speed.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, then we posted power rankings today of potential snubs. Um, it's We're showing the best overall lifters. We're not showing it based on weight class. Like, if we really get down to it, and those power rankings, you know, are probably going to be updated as we get closer to registration and even after March 1st, we're going to still see a lot of people get snubbed from this. These are all potential. We are talking so many lifters in each weight class could possibly not have the opportunity to compete at RAW and Active's because of this dumbass first come first serve thing and it feels and again they changed it they changed some of the rules around so that means they heard some of the criticism but their their last their last resort was to make it a money grab. Yeah. I I mean the the hope the hope for me is still this people sign up they just listen to all the suggestions. And they don't give us any of the credit for suggesting it, which is fine. We don't need the credit. They just go ahead with our ideas to make it the top fourteen each weight class, and we get to see all the people we want to see compete at Raw Nationals. That's what I'm hoping. That's the only thing I, I could hope for is this them coming to their senses, not telling us that they came to their senses, because I I didn't know I could be less I could be less optimistic. For the future, and I was trying to be as optimistic as possible, but just just the sheer announcement of them completely disregarding rankings altogether and making it about money uh, put me back in my pessimistic state where I'm comfortable.
1: Yeah, we're we're we are pro negativity on this podcast. It's not all smiles and snowflakes, and this is definitely one of those times where I've with you i was very optimistic that the roaring crowds of people saying what to do with us all saying the same things was going to hopefully spur some change and that that put a dagger in it
0: so yeah absolutely but aside from us being pro negativity because we're going to keep talking about this it's going to happen there is a positive thing in powerlifting that's coming up we alluded to it last week Tens of strength classic is having a prime time session and two white lights is all for primetime sessions with regional meets. So we have a little bit of an idea who's going to be in that primetime session. So you're the uh, you're the numbers guy. Who's uh who who are you be looking at for the male side? Potentially. So
1: potentially, I mean, I, I we're going to have to assume fourteen potential lifters in a flight. That's that's the maximum. I'm going to guess they're going to do that. Um, I went through and. For men and women, I did a little cutoff. For men, I did above 92 good lift points. For women, I did above 80. Um, there definitely was more competitive men. There wasn't nearly the competition for women, so I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. As well as we've kind of, just from social media, it seems like maybe they're only inviting open and junior lifters to it because a lot of the teen lifters, Aiden Raider, um, Alex Lucklow, I believe Alex Sidor, haven't gotten invites to the primetime session? Uh, you, update, a, Aiden
0: Raider has. I don't know about Alex and uh, Lucky Luciano, but... Okay, um, well, let's hope they did, too, if Aiden got it, because yeah. the, the rankings go, you got one and two,
1: Ashton and Sean. That's mm-hmm. a no-brainer. And, um, yeah, and I think a lot of this kind of this... I think this meet timed up well for a lot of people, but I think once Sean and Ashton signed up, that kind of everyone wanted to get in Then from that, and that's really created this kind of... Um, ability to be able to do a primetime session we got gregory johnson he's a big deadlifter i think in the 105 kilo oh, yeah. class beast um it raiders number four um obviously he's i mean based on his training he's going to be maybe even bumping up to possibly top three in the rankings here after this meet um because his gains just seem to be continuous um uh, after that i'm not sure of this lifter enrique lugo um, mm-hmm. um i haven't heard of him before but 102.01 good lift score yeah very great.
0: very good lifter uh enrique so
1: Anas Anbar, um, Sean Ambrosio, who I actually have on my, we, we obviously on our snub list, it was objective based off of good lift points, but we also have to look at there. I had a little different take as well in the sense of I had lifters who very well probably should be in there. Sean Ambrosio is one of the ones that should be in nationals. I believe he's 66 and he's a very competitive 66. Like he would for sure be prime time in 66. We got Alex Lucklow. Um, he's a up and coming team lifter. Um, Santiago Ramirez, haven't heard of him.
0: Santiago, um, that's FCAT alum. He is a fantastic lifter, holds the team, uh, the junior deadlift record for 83 keys. People think Shane Nutt holds that. Uh, Jesus just broke that. Okay. So he's a, he's a national record holder in the 83s in the junior division with a big deadlift. There you go.
1: Um, Alex Sidor just talked about him ian bell i'm not sure if ian's going single ply or raw for this meet because mm-hmm. he's more of a single ply lifter um so that might change if he's going to get in uh, we got jeff thompson i know he got an invite because he posted about it um uh, he's a uh, i believe he's 74 kilo possibly um and the last two kind of lined up at least the top 14 we got abraham ramirez and joshua brame or bram i'm not mm-hmm. sure i haven't heard of either of them but that's kind of like the top i mean that's competitive i mean yes. Yeah. Abe, going the top 14, that is all 95 good lift points or above. So for a local meet, that's pretty insane.
0: Yeah, Abe, a uh, very good lifter. Uh, he's a Cowboys fan, which you know that's pretty rough on him just in general. But in spite of being a Cowboys fan, he's a fantastic lifter. So, uh yeah, he's like you're. He's always going to be teetering on that. Like when he goes to any local meet or, regi- or like a regional meet, he's going to do well as a lifter. Uh, you know, he's going to be in that slot for best overall lifter. Now when he throw a lot of these really high competitive lifters in, you know, you get a little bit more of a competitive edge coming from him, but also the other guys who are falling within that, like, 3 to 10 range. You know, yeah. they, they could all be really competitive with each other. And, yeah, they're, I mean, the, the, the so the guys that you didn't hear of, I've heard of. You know what I mean? So that's, like, that's a really good thing there. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing that... A lot of these guys are recognizable and also have huge lips. Like, 14
1: lifters that everyone would want to watch in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is a, is a very interesting session. Um, quick shout out to the women. Like I said, it's, it's not nearly as competitive for the women, unfortunately. Um, it looks like Ivy Lombus. Um She definitely was by far the most competitive female based off a of good lift score. We got Jasmine Idrago. Char- Charles or sharp. I can't say these Charles C Eath and Adriana Pence. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're definitely, they're kind of in between like the 83 to 93 good look score. So I don't know if they're going to, if they're going to break it up, add them in and do like half and half men and women, or it's mainly going to be men. Um, it would be nothing against the women. It's just that at least in the breakup of the roster, um, there's a lot more kind of nationally competitive men that signed up than women, at least for this meet.
0: Yeah, and that was, and that was, I think that was uh, bound to happen. That was just going to happen anyway because the the prime time session for this meet kind of sprang up, you know and I mean yeah. it wasn't a planned thing. So I think if there was always this factor that prime time will happen, I think you would see more females sign up for the meet. With that hope that they get into prime time, or it's like okay, this opportunity to compete on this huge stage with a bunch of people, um, and I, like for this meet it just wasn't there. Uh, they looked at the roster and noticed really through the mail side that there should be a prime time session. Yeah,
1: and this is where we we've kind of alluded to this in multiple episodes, but like this is such a repeatable practice. Mm-hmm. Like anyone can do this. Any meet that probably has sixty plus lifters has the ability to have a primetime session. Yeah. Um, Whether it's going to be this competitive or not, they have the ability to. um, And either one, you state there's going to be a primetime session, and that's probably going to elicit higher level lifters signing up. Or two, you have a meet, like let's say a state meet. Most state meets are like 80 to 120 lifters. And then you see who signs up and then you formulate a primetime session from it because it just makes viewing so much easier. Um, I think I talked about this just very briefly at the end of last episode at the very end, but like, every sport ever that is successful has about a three hour viewing period. Mm-hmm. Every single one, three, maybe three and a half. Um, and if it gets longer than that, like baseball had an issue where they wanted to speed it up. Cause it started averaging like four hours and like people are just struggling to watch baseball and they're trying to speed it up. If that's just three hours seems to be the hot spot. And the one issue with a lot of meets and all meets they're like 10 or 12 hours long. Like you can't sit down for 10 or 12 hours and watch a live stream and like you at super city, um or the, the circle city circle city circle. all people were yeah circle city all people were asking is when's jamal going when's jamal going when's jamal going and if we can just be able to have take these lifters put them in a session and with this one we know it starts at 6 p.m and it's going to about 10 p.m everyone knows when to tune in to watch these they can probably time their day to watch the entire thing um and view the entire thing as a sporting event not just individual lifters and then That then entices sponsors Mm -hmm. because it could actually get the sponsors the recognition they want because people are going to spend three or four hours watching, not tune in to watch one lift and then tune out and never get to see kind of anything that's popping up sponsor wise. So everything about it is so easily repeatable across the country. And we've actually got a meet that is possibly coming up in some primetime meets that are going to be following or, or kind of with nationals um, and so hopefully this, again, I, I, I would love for this to catch on. It's, it's not something I care like about. my I, I, I don't plan to do too many primetime meets myself because I'm not necessarily a meet director. But like, if this could be a standard, I really think mm-hmm. it could be huge for powerlifting um, and its ability to be a spectator and viewer sport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have been seeing a little bit of evidence that is starting to circulate this idea throughout powerlifting. And it's something that lifters want to happen, too. I think there's so much in the sport. Doesn't give back to the lifters, and this is something that's actually giving back to the lifters. This is something that just doing two white lights. People have reached out and said, "I love this idea from you and Steve," uh, primarily you, but they just they, when they hear us talk about it, they're like, "Yes, awesome idea. Can't see any flaws in that." And especially lifters too. Like I would love to compete in a meet that's not necessarily nationals, not necessarily the Arnold, it's not IPF Worlds. It's one of these meets within my region that is going to be a spotlight of meet, really competitive and have a uh, have a sports atmosphere, sport event atmosphere. And I think right now we're seeing it. Uh, we saw a few things, you know, just through social media, that there's evidence that people are taking the initiative and trying to do that. I think this is the perfect example because this was not original primetime meet. Now it is. And I think people are starting to recognize that. And what you said with sponsors, yes, more sponsors are going to get involved in this. Left Lara Bros is sponsoring the Texas State Classic. There you go. I love it. I know you love it. I know Two White Lights loves it. So and it's great for them to get their name out there. You know, sponsors mm-hmm. are always trying to find something like. Okay, it seems like they're always pigeonholed to like the Pioneer to uh, this uh, Pioneer Open, the current U.S. Open. You know, whatever Steffi Cohn is doing. A lot of people were putting pushing out their bids to get sponsored in there and get a booth there. Well, now we have more opportunities for that. So when the sponsors grow, the sport grows, money circulates. That's a great thing. So uh, we'll probably do a more deeper uh, a deeper breakdown as updates happen when we get a full prime time session because we, we we want to break down this meet. You know, give give you a little scouting report on all the lifters that are there.
1: Yeah, hype it up. I mean, the, the big thing here. This is completely free for a meet director to do. 100% free. This costs $0 to add a primetime session, but you're going to start at your start. I mean, talking about beer, viewability. If this meet had gone on as planned, Ashton was lifting on Sunday. Sean was lifting on Saturday. Yeah. We are now talking about 20 hours of viewing if you wanted to watch one of those two lifters and then just sporadically hopping in, we now get to see all of them in one session. Now it just makes it so much easier. And then I don't know if Lar Bros, Bros was sponsoring it before, mm-hmm. or if the prime time enticed them to want to get in because yeah. they know now there is going to be um, a lot more viewers for that prime time session than there would be if there wasn't one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would. Um, I would imagine. I would imagine other companies possibly getting the interest too. You know, and I, and that could just help the meet so much more when you get more sponsors attached to it when you announce at prime time. It's it's really yeah, like like you said before, I think it's going to be the next big thing in powerlifting. It's going to revolutionize how we do powerlifting meets. Is this very simple practice too? It's not like it's not like it's super complex. It's a rather simple thing to just put lifters on a different time, rank them, and have them uh, have them battle it out.
1: I mean, the original idea I got for this, I mean, if you go back to the Midwest primetime episode we did, I think I kind of discussed this. My original idea wasn't to do the Midwest primetime. It was that I host a meet every spring in April. Um and it easily fills up to 60 lifters. My goal was eventually to do like 90 to 120 lifters. And knowing that we were going to get 90 to 120 lifters, I was going to do a primetime session at the end of the night just to really do competition. And that was the original idea that I was going to do in 2020. And then I, I, I couldn't because of obviously what happened in 2020. The Midwest primetime came about for the need of nationals getting canceled. But like these big meets happen all around. It's so easy just mm-hmm. to take these lifters, put them in a specific session, and then – Not only does it make the viewing and spectatorship better, it's fun for the lifters in the meet, too, because they're going to stick around and want to watch that session. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're talking about this for just general primetime sessions. I mean, people like for nationals primetime, all the lifters who competed earlier, not all of them, but a lot of them stick around to watch primetime because that's what we want to watch. It just makes it so much more fun for the lifters as well in the meet.
0: Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why primetime sessions are so big with the spectators is because the lifters stick around to watch. And that was one of my highlights from 2019 Raw Nationals. I said it many times, and I'll say it again, was after my session was done, I got something to eat and I saw the hype for primetime, like, I'm going to go watch this. It's going to be fun. And it was, it was an absolute blast to do it. And every single primetime session at Raw Nationals was an absolute blast. There was not one that was a letdown. It was all, yeah. even the one, even the ones that had simultaneous platform, you know, because they had to finish up the morning session or the afternoon session into the prime time, that was still really fun. It was still just a fun atmosphere to be a part of. So the more, more we can share that experience, the better it's going to be for uh, powerlifting.
1: Yep. Yeah. And as we said, we'll keep hyping these up when they happen because we, I think we're both on the same page that we think that this is. The si- possibly the single biggest free way to grow powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I think I can say that. It's the single biggest free way to grow powerlifting. It costs no money. It only brings more money in. And it's it could be a game changer for how powerlifting is viewed, not only in the sense of viewership, but also viewed in the sense of competition. So that competition isn't just nationals in the IPF world. Co- competition is local meets now.
0: Yes. Uh, for sure. So, yeah, we're, again, we're going to break this down a little bit more in detail. We are, what, sitting at four weeks away now? Is yeah, it? about four weeks out. All right, four weeks. So we got, we so we got a little bit of time here. But you know what's not going to grow a sport? What's that? High squats at backyard meets. Yeah. That's, that's not what going to happen. Okay. And it's a tale as old as time in powerlifting. All-time world records being broken at a backyard meet. And, of course, Garrett Fear is going to make a video about it. It's like, it, it's it's the thing known in powerlifting. There's there's absolutes in this world. That's always an absolute. When someone squats high, Garrett Fear will make a video on it, and the whole powerlifting world is going to talk about it. And that's exactly what happened. I think it was this weekend, right? Yep. So, uh, who? It was Uh, yep. Philip provided us with perfect content to start talking about. Yeah.
1: Philip Herndon and Drew. I didn't know the other guy, I'd never heard of him before, but Phil Herman's the main one, because this is the second time Garrett's yeah. gone off on him, because he keeps setting world records at backyard meets, and they're high, and they're garbage, and he counts them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the, the so the interesting thing, because I just, I saw it on, you know, I saw it on my phone, and it's something that I'm just so used to, is just all-time world records being broken, because it's on open powerlifting, which we'll get to in a second, but it's on open powerlifting and people it just it it throws people in a frenzy but then it dies after a few days but something was pro that was proposed that was very interesting from garrett and this was echoed from a lot of people and it was should certain federations or certain world records be not recognized or perhaps even banned from showing up on openpowerlifting.org and For those of you who don't know what openpowerlifting.org is, it's just a database where every single meet is documented, every single lifter is documented, and they throw the numbers that were performed at this meet or by this person on their website. So that's what open powerlifting is, but it it evolved into something where we get to see all-time world records. Like, I didn't know I was about to have the all-time world record deadlift until open powerlifting kind of made that thing, because I technically don't hold the world record deadlift or didn't hold the world record deadlift ipf has a lower one than the all-time so that's where open powerlifting is good and a lot of people use that as a as a source to get what were the highest lifts for a certain weight class but now it's evolved to such a point and the issue is becoming backyard meets all-time world records very lax judging very i would say just an unprofessional way of dealing with the judgment of meets are being performed and guess what you see? Hi, lifters with high squats or not locked out deadlifts or quick bench commands have the all-time world record on OpenPowerlifting.org and a lot of people are clamoring that those should not be recognized. So I'm going to ask you first, what what do you feel we should do with it? Should there be a ban? Should they recognize them? What what, the, what should Open Powerlifting do?
1: So. I could go both ways on this and I think I can make arguments for both ways in oh, yeah. the sense of open powerlifting specifically. So I would lean towards, if I had to argue one way or the other, and like in the, in the perfect world, everything could happen as is, I would argue, no, open powerlifting is just a database and it's going to create a ton of issues if they are now, what is a world record versus not a world record? But can that actually happen how I'm going to propose? And I don't Mm -hmm. think it will, which then leads to the, yes, they need to ban these because it probably will never happen. So I'll backtrack for a second. What should they do? Like what can fix this to where open powerlifting is just a database and we actually have a database of what is records. Yeah. Um, I mean, truly the best model is USAPL and IPF. Yeah. No one argues in drug tested powerlifting. What is the role record? We know what the world record and the national records are. You can only set national records at nationals. You can only set world records at IPF World. There's, there's no debate there. It's the perfect model. Unfortunately, untested probably is never going to get to that point. I mean, yeah. they're, they're never going to get to this point of having nationals and world. It's just never going to happen. Um, I think culturally, though, they need to stop recognizing open powerlifting. As the the end all be all of what is world records. It used to be powerlifting watch, now it's open powerlifting. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Untested thinks that if it says world record on open powerlifting, it is the world record. But that doesn't mean it has to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that's culturally what they accept. And I get it, which is where I'm gonna get to eventually. Yes, I think open powerlifting should probably just ban these federations. My proposal would be one of two things. One, and the best, is there needs to be a new website that's not open powerlifting. Open powerlifting is just a database, and they should probably just take the records page off so that they're not confusing, because that's where I'm going to get to. This is kind of open powerlifting's fault, because they did make a records page. Someone who has the the clout and the influence to do so should make a new website that is simply to keep track of untested or just overall all-time world records, because um, this is mainly untested we're carrying out, so that's why I'm kind of alluding to that. Yeah. From that, there needs to be very set standards of what constitutes a world record. There should be standards such as must be set at a national meet or national-like meet, such as like the showdown or the kern or something like that. It must be used with calibrated plates. Um, I forget some other ones I had there. It must be uh, – It could, you could even go to certain federations. That might be a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, I mean obviously I would just say USP, USPA and WRPF are the only two st- – st- federations that are following certain standards right now. But whether I don't need to go through all the rules, set standards of what constitutes an all time world record and then make that the rankings that everyone abides by. Um and you don't even need a judging panel for that. You've said what is the standard. Just like USA USAPL and IPF have the exact standard what you know you have to do. Create this new standard culturally for what constitutes the ability to set an all time world record and let this new website be that standard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really like that idea. It, it's something that, uh, for for my opinion on this, I I do not think they should just ban federations for being on open powerlifting. It's a database. It is a database that documents meets and lifters, and I and I think it's a very cool instrument just for lifters. I think it's great for lifters. It's actually, one of the best things that's happened in the sport is open powerlifting because lifters get to see their totals and how they uh, compare to people. And I think that's great. Lifters love that. Lifters love to do that, and they love to look at their they love to look at their um, their competition as well as just their comrades in the sport of powerlifting. It, it it could yield a whole lot of research for them and diving them deeper into the sport. That's why I love open powerlifting. But like a lot of things, it evolves. It evolved. when I started powerlifting. Open powerlifting wasn't a thing, and it has evolved to something that has become this end all be all thing. And I think. Open powerlifting should recognize that. And I love your rule proposal, but I also saw a JP uh, rec- um, propose that there is just a committee on what passes as world records and what doesn't pass as a world record. You know, say 10 lifters have a majority vote on what's a world record and then it's recognized on open powerlifting as an all-time world record. I think open powerlifting can reach out to lifters and they will happily volunteer to do that. Especially guys like J.P. Garrett, Fear, Joe Sullivan, Ed Cohen, they would love to do that. I don't even think you would need to offer them some sort of sniping or like a uh, any motivation to do it. I think that'll be a great way, a very simple way to recognize these world records. And I and I, I do like the idea of a separate website for it, but I think I think this is something that Open Powerlifting can work with.
1: I, I completely. So that goes back to the. The to the opposite end of the spectrum. I don't think a new website will happen. I think that's possibly the best idea, but it probably won't. The best platform to make this is Open Powerlifting, and it, it, it the the thing is is where I'm going to say Open Powerlifting is not just a database. Is everyone knew as soon as Open Powerlifting started, it was now going to be the database that then chooses the records. That's yeah. just that's what Powerlifting Watch used to be. And Open Powerlifting did it better, and so everyone knew it was going to now be the standard for all-time world records. So, I think they can simply do exactly what I said: in that they have their records page, but there needs to be a set standard of rules for what constitutes constitutes a record. Mm-hmm. And within what you said, that the proposed idea of the ten people, I don't think that's a great idea to do for each record. I would personally, and I'll explain that in a second. Okay. I would personally pick those ten people. That are influential and, ha- and all-time world record holders, people who are judges for that are high-level judges, have them constitute what is the standard for a record, and then from there you just have to set it within that standard. I think it's very dangerous to have a mm-hmm. ten people that then judge every record based off of videos.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, it
1: could work. I think that's just going to create a ton of issues. There's going to be politics behind it, and then I love Ed Cohen. He has not been the greatest judge. Like, there was actually, I don't know if you know about, this might be before you got the power thing, but J.P. Price set the all-time bench record for his weight class or something like that. Ed Cohen gave him a non-existent press command, and J.P. came back and said, yeah, I can't count that. That was not to any kind of standard.
0: Okay.
1: Ed's great, but, like, just because you're an all-time record holder doesn't mean you're the best judge ever. Yeah, um, I don't know if there should be 10 people judging those lists. I do agree that there should be 10 people that decide what is the standard for untested powerlifting on all-time world records. Like I said, national meet has to be done on calibrated plates. It's maybe, maybe it needs to be a certain federation, but that gets a little bit iffy too. But honestly, if you do national meet, calibrated plates, it's going to be USA USPA or WRPF. Like It's just going to yeah. happen because RPS and APA and SPF don't have national meets with calibrated plates. I think that would then set enough of a standard that culturally then decides what is an all-time world record, and you can have that within the Open Powerlifting site.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know what? I guess I really didn't take that into account how big of an issue the 10 lifters can be on based on every record. Because, yeah, all-time records do fall quite frequently. So getting them around to just judge them uh, is going to be, one, a bit of an issue just logistically, and two, you won't fall into the same pitfalls um, as you just alluded to. But... I, I I guess when you start talking about this, it just always brings up more evidence to the argument of there being a unified uh, federation but across all things. It seems like all of the problems in powerlifting always circle back to that, is there should be one tested federation and one non-tested federation. Because the argument was brought up so many times on 2 White Lights, uh, and it, also, guys, this is a logical fallacy. Uh, just bringing this up, by the way. But, oh, of course, they're going to bring up, like, oh, well, USAPL has their judging problems, too. Remember Taylor Atwood's dropped deadlift? Like, yeah, here's the difference. That's really the only one we get to talk about. Because and it doesn't happen every record. other day in the USAPL. And it's
1: not a world record.
0: Yeah, it's not recognized as that. Like, that's... No. Yeah, none of these things are recognized as world records. It is a national record, because they had national referees over there. But... I don't want people to automatically assume, one, that I'm a USAPL elitist, because I think there's a lot of evidence at the beginning of the show that I'm not a USAPL elitist, so that label's getting a little frustrating recently. But two, is the fact that there's always, like, the USAPL and USPA have figured everything out, there's never going to be a bad call in those federations. No, absolutely not. There is going to still be controversy with some calls. It is a sport that is going to be judged on human error and human judgment. There's going to always be a controversy, but if we can limit that as much as possible and we could make it just something legitimate, because let's, let's let's be real. These are obviously red light lifts. They're not even two white lights. They don't even fit on the show. This is just blatant high squats and blatant soft deadlifts we're, we're talking about. Lock, soft lockouts and high squats. These aren't, like, borderline calls. These are bad, just complete missed calls. We need to fix that. We need to get rid of that. That is going to destroy the legitimacy of the sport because, if you look, Philip has all-time world record holder on his bio. On open powerlifting, it's going to say he's the all-time world record holder. And this does cause other lifters, because this is what they're competing for, to compete for that, and it's going, I think Joe Sullivan brought this up before, it is going to turn into a complete pissing contest of who can have the highest squat with the highest number. That's what it could turn into. And it almost has to a point.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll kind of, I got two points I'll kind of make is one alluding back to like Taylor Atwood and that kind of stuff. Is yes, like, that's where I don't love the idea of a panel. Because there's going to be little mistakes occasionally. Yeah. But for the most part, they get it right. If you have a panel, then it becomes a little bit iffy. And uh, I don't know. It just, it just becomes a little bit tough in the sense of like, okay, now Taylor's doesn't count because 10 world record holders says it wasn't a good lift. And so now it doesn't count, even though three national judges said it was okay. It becomes tough. Now I get that in the sense of like other federations are giving white lights, even though they know. It no, it's not OK, but that's because those federations suck. And yeah. I mean, if open Power, thing said they didn't want to recognize RPS, SPF, APA, APF and those meets anymore, I probably wouldn't complain. It's the issue that everyone in those federations would throw a massive fit and then it would just create a divide even more. Yeah, it I, would create a massive issue. Yeah, Even though I, I personally wouldn't care too much, there'd be a lot of people who would care.
0: Well, yeah, I, I would actually be a person who cares because, you know, there are lifters in that federation who do hold the standard and, two they just don't want to be punished for the federation's issues. That's But that's me where I'm like, okay, we got to start holding them accountable. A punishment like that is something that's holding people accountable for something. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, guys, please have some sort of integrity and not make a mockery of the sport. If you don't do that, you will get punished. And I do like that idea. Of that, because I just think they could run outlaw and roughshod on the entire sport of powerlifting, and I want that to stop. But I like part of me really wants something to come down on these federations, but other part of me just doesn't want to punish all the lifters in those federations who really are just like, okay, I I belong to this federation, and the guys up top are, you know, are are fucking up for the rest of us. Yep. I'll I'll go back to, I'm going to
1: hype up my idea again. If you had a child, you can tell them what not to do, but isn't it a good idea to tell them what to do and give them an example of what to do? Yeah. So if we want to hold them accountable, we can keep yelling at them saying, don't do this. But if we don't change the standard for what's an all-time world record, and it only if you do this, it counts, they're not going to change. Like we, there needs to be the example and the standard of this is what constitutes an all-time world record. And if it's not to the standard, it doesn't count. Just like we all know there's a standard at Raw Nationals. So guess what we do at local meets? We try and hold that same standard because we know if our goal is to go to nationals or go to worlds, we have to have that standard. Yeah. Well, in untested, there isn't this stepping stone of meats. They can just do whatever they want in any meet ever. If there was this standard set up by this committee of this is how you set all-time world records, and it has to be done in this manner, in this fashion, at these kind of meets with calibrated plates. I think what you see to an extent is down that stepping stone ladder of national meets to local meets to backyard meets, you're going to start to see the standard upheld a little bit better because mm-hmm. they know what the standard entails. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, so and then can and, yell at them
1: all they want, but if we don't give them the standard of we're only counting this, if you do this, this, and this, yeah. they won't follow suit.
0: Yeah, and then until then, which I think is how the sport should be operated, is you have an RPS record. You have an SPF record. You have a whatever is a Metal Militia or Iron Militia record. You have an APF record. You do not have a recognized world record, according to whatever database we want to pick. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's something that should always be clarified. And it's not because of Open Powerlifting. Not saying it's their fault or anything. It's it's absolutely not their fault. But that's the that's the standard I want to see. And if they decide, like, hey, we're not going to put you on the database anymore if you guys aren't going to hit these standards, then that, yeah, then I do believe that, one, it's a very civil way of going about things. Because I think a lot of people in this situation are uncivil. Like, with, with, when you look at the two white lights' comments, it just, it, a lot of them were great, but it could just turn into a really quick insult battle and a lot of a pissing contest between what federation's trash and what federation's good. I think a civil way of going about is, hey, here are the standards, abide by them, or you're not recognizing everything you're going to do. It's just going to be your own Federation's records.
1: Mm-hmm. Which
0: it's that's what RPS me. should be right now. It's like, you have an RPS, like, hey, Philip, you got an RPS record. You don't have an all-time world record. like.
1: But that's easier said than done. I would love for that to happen, but culturally, in the untested side they don't recognize federation records. They recognize open powerlifting records. That is unbeknownst or unmeaning for open powerlifting. They are the overriding or overruling federation for all of untested, Mm -hmm. even though that is not a federation. And that's where I, like I said, I could agree with you that we should just SPF records, RPS records, US. it should just be separate records, but it won't change until someone, which open powerlifting has the best power to do that, changes the standard of what constitutes a record until what happens even if you say you want that to each individual federation's records it just won't happen they're just going to go to the powerlifting database click on records and see who has the top top, top number and people are just going to say that's the all-time world record which is the tough part because is how do we change that
0: yeah for sure and i i guess so, so much of this is just dictated on me wanting to find a way to hold other people accountable because i hate the argument is turning into which i got on two likes today and it's been something that's been happening is the lifters should be holding themselves accountable and that's what their coaches should do as well and i think joe Sullivan has said this and a huge part of me disagrees with that because of course they should right they should do that but it's not their responsibility to judge their own squats. It's not their own ability to judge their own deadlifts. It is not what they're supposed to be doing. It is completely... Why in this sport is the lifter being punished for the referee's fuck-ups? We know Phillip's name. We don't know the people who run our, these RPS meets or uh, SPF meets or Iron Militia meets or whatever. We don't know their names. We know the lifter's names. What Who should be punished is the organizations allowing these things to pass. The only thing we get to really put a label on is the literal logo because I don't know who's doing these things. We got, we got to hold them accountable for, for something. I, I just hate this argument that lifters need to call out their red lights. I disagreed with Garrett with that when he called out Trevor Taffy. I, I definitely, I was at that meet. That was a soft lockout. He should have got three red lights. He got inexplicably two white lights from that. And the debate turned into should have, should he got on Instagram and say I got gifted a call. what it's not his job. It's a good his job to give the red lights on Trevor's. Let's 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 hold them accountable for a second. I'm
1: with you there. And I, I think we would be hypocrites if we didn't say this, because what did we just argue in the last couple podcasts? We are arguing for people being able to find whatever manipulation they can do within the rules. Yeah. Aka the- Russ has been open and stating he has a depth he hits at local meets. He has a depth he hits at national meets and he has a depth he hits at IPF worlds. And in 2019, his depth at nationals was not, yeah. <laughs> he thought he had a certain depth and they were making him hit IPF depth or whatever yeah. he kind of, so even people in the USAPL do that to an extent, like we lift to what the rules allow us because as a sport, that's what, you, that's what you do is you, you find ways to be able to find the best advantage within the rules you're allotted and so like, well, yeah, I'd love to say everyone should live to a standard. I get it. And I think I'd be a hypocrite to say that it would be a the lifters should do things that the judges aren't forcing them to do. Because like I said, if we're gonna say that about Arch, I gotta say that about the lifts and depth mm-hmm. falls and that kind of stuff too.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, did you did you take a chance to look through two way life's commons?
1: On the that post? I think I did. Yeah. It was a couple days ago, so I don't remember all of
0: them. Yeah, well, I think the uh, the one that I actually used at 2 page to comment back on and get into a mini-argument myself is the uh, the I-don't-care crowd, or why should you care? It's not your federation. That argument could jump right off a cliff. How... Fucking pointless and lazy is that argument to put on a two white lights page? Like, hey, at the end of the day, it's a sport that no one watches. Who gives a shit? Like, well, all right, then what are we doing here? Why are you competing in the sport that no one cares about? Like, records do competition matters to a lot of us. Like, what is this? The I, mean, I don't give a shit or nobody gives a shit thing. When did that become a valid form of argument? I don't get that. I saw that way too much on the two white lights things. And that drives me crazy. Like, don't give me that argument and then comment a long paragraph on a powerlifting page. People care and it's okay to care about records. It shows that the sport is progressing into a competitive sport between people and they want to make sure if they lose, they lose the right way. God, that like, I think like, what we we need to cross-examine if those were the same people saying arches are cheating. I mean, be ironic. Uh, I mean, I, I no, know, knowing some of them possibly, but it's just it it, it gets it, that it uh, drives me crazy when people use the a hey, powerlifting thing isn't that important anyways thing like okay, well, cool. You know, you know what it reminds me of. Say you and I are arguing between the Cubs and the Cardinals. And then some fucking like Reds fan comes out and be like, guys, it's just a game. Why do you guys care so much? Like, ah, oh, dude, why are you here? Leave. Why are you in this conversation? Get out. Like this is you. Now all my hate for like RPS, SPF and all these backyard federations is directed towards you. <laughs> it's like I think like, because you offer nothing to the argument aside from just a, you wanted to hear yourself speak for five minutes and he's like, "It's it's not that big of a deal." Hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Why do you guys care about powerlifting? Shut up! Shut shut up! Let fans do the things fans want to do and argue.
1: That was the world's most perfect analogy. Bringing the Reds in.
0: Yeah, Reds fans are weird.
1: Well, they're also irrelevant. Like yeah. they're obviously wanting to get in that conversation because they're not going to ever be a part of world championships. So they just want to act like they don't care and they're just wanting to have fun and play baseball where. <laughs> I'm, well, mainly the Cardinals. I mean, yeah, between the Cubs, and the Cardinals. Yeah, I like don't.
0: I'm not gonna pretend. Not. I'm not gonna pretend like the Cubs have this winning tradition. <laughs> so I don't want to get into saying like. They
1: have a tra- so they have a tradition, though. At least, this yeah, the Cubs have a tradition.
0: Yeah, but like they still are way more successful than the Cubs as far as winning goes. I don't want to put it on like that. Like, oh, the Cubs and Cardinal fans, we know a thing or two about World Series. Why don't you get out of it, Reds fans? Uh, no, I really well, I, don't. I don't
1: know a Cardinals fan. Well, No, you do. Be-
0: I'm like, mm, yeah, I've experienced one of them. <laughs> and if you're 105, you've experienced one of them if you're a Cubs fan. So I won't. I I, I want to save maybe the few Reds fans I have listening opinion right now. I'm not, not pulling rank on you guys. You guys are weird when it comes to baseball arguments. But, yeah, that's who they remind me of. It's just when people are arguing about sports, you get the lame ass who's like, guys, why do you care so much? It's just a game. I'm like, shut up. What, you don't do anything to this conversation. Just leave. Or don't compete anymore. If you don't care about it so much, then why are you even spending time in competing? Yeah. And and then also, this is my favorite thing, when happens when you have a high squat. They often go to the guy's character. He's like, you know, he's a really nice guy. I'm like, oh, all right, there it is. Whenever you specify he's a really nice guy, that means they squatted really high in confidence. Comp- they, because they, bu- they pull out the bullying card, too, a lot. Like there's no need to bully him. Like no, we're telling him his squat was high. That's the thing that there's a fine line between bullying and telling people to do their jobs or they do their jobs incorrectly. One of those is just telling them to get better, and the other one is blatantly being mean to them. Yeah, it's not not what we're doing. We're telling them to just get better at officiating meets. It's not bullying, guys.
1: I think it does. I mean, I love Garrett. I like what he does, but he comes very aggressively. And so therefore people take offense to it versus if it was just more simply you squatted high, mm-hmm. maybe people would, I don't know, probably not. They're probably still going to get super defensive and try and back up that they're squatting high. But it, it doesn't help that Garrett, Garrett obviously, yeah. he, he, comes, he comes full in and just goes at it to the core.
0: Yeah. Well, to his fairness, Garrett is getting better with his disability and in- calling out high squats because at first it wasn't like that it was always going to be a online fight between people and he's progressively getting better but i think just because of garrett's character whatever he says people are going to be vehemently opposed to because they don't like garrett very similar to noriega like noriega is like the natty version of that where sean could have some real logical things and he'll have a ton of people supporting him but then you're just going to get the people who really dislike him, and they're going to go on a tangent on why he's wrong and how he's the worst thing in the sport. And it's they're, they're both heat magnets, and I think a lot of times people just are going to formulate their opinions based on how much they dislike Garrett. Which, I that makes that. sense. I mean, I think he will admit, too, he bought a lot of that on himself. He was very... Just, I mean, with the whole Trevor Jaffe situation, I'm like, no, dude, you're arguing the wrong things here. Like, I, I agree with you in a sense that it was a soft lockout, but you're, the way you're arguing about it is wrong. It shouldn't be, I'm calling out Trevor. It should be, I'm calling out the judges at this meet. Yeah.
1: So. Which, I would argue, I mean, that's one of the things, too, going back to things that need to change. Like, that surge meet was a great meet, but there was one issue. that That's considered kind of like a, a like a, a, a tier up from local
0: yeah i mean
1: that that should have had a tier up from local judges oh yeah for sure so like in sense of like standards of like that could be a meet where i'm talking about like you can set standards for all-time world records but the only time way you could do that is okay it can be at one of these meets that like is like a tier up from a local but it requires national judges to be present
0: yeah yeah absolutely um,
1: that's and that that would be. I mean, that's just what we're doing with USAPL right now. I mean, you can set a national record, but three national judges have to be present at a local meet, um, and that's where it's kind of tough. Is like you're having these high level lifters going to meets with referees, and this was this was very talked about at that meet. Referees who are scared to give a famous lifter a red light.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. um I mean, there's going to be a standard. It needs to make sure that the referees are standard as well, in the sense of what records can count at certain meets to make sure the right referees are there to judge those lists.
0: Yeah. then especially when you really get into this local situation, because I've experienced this with the the APF state meets where Tom Callis, and this was, I mean, it might be like the original Garrett fear call out was Tom Callis. Um, High school, you know, he was squatting noticeably higher at the state meet and it was like a pitcher, with the umpires. Like, okay, they're giving me the outside strike today. Well, I'm going to exploit it all day. That's all I'm going to throw. That's what I think happened with Tom Callis. And then the the Illinois State meet, you know, he's from Illinois. The judges are from Illinois. You know, you're kind of buddy-buddy with them. You know the lifter. You know the all-time world records at stake. They're going to give him the call. And, and the local thing's the problem here. But... When you actually do make that noise, people do start changing or they do start taking the initiative and uh, trying to solve those issues. Like, for example, uh, Jordan Jarrell, he uh, handled uh, DadBot 2020, or uh, 220. He's taking the initiative, saying, yeah, there's a problem here. And he's, a, I think, uh RPS, SPF lifter, whatever those two. And he's going to try to make a change in that. And he lists the standards, and he knows it. But he knows what the standard is, and he knows that people don't follow it. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, I mean, when you do make noise, it does cause you know at least some some change. It gets people talking. What's it that? gets People
1: talking every single yeah. time. It helps to create like we're talking about solutions. JP was talking about solutions. Joe was talking about solutions. Everyone was talking about solutions. It was just hopefully that it leads to something. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think if. A group of those world record holders or influential lifters just got together in some manner and decided something. Just anything. Um, it can help to kind of lead what is the standard going forward.
0: Well, yeah, and on top of that, because I've seen I've seen a few things um, I like just being posted of lifters saying, "Well, what are you doing? Are you just making memes? Are you just criticizing? Are you just bullying? Are you actually going to do something?" And they're directing that stuff towards Garrett. I'm like, no, that's not fair. You can't direct it towards Garrett because Garrett is he is an official. He directs meets. He co-directs meets. That's that's taking the initiative. Yeah, he's doing something. Yeah, and it's- I think people are labeling him with that whole criticize, criticize, and don't do anything. Like, no, you're way off. You're way off base saying that because yeah. he has he's has done a lot for the, the competitive sport pilot. He's like he sees an issue and he's taking the initiative and you know directing his own meets and making sure he has a well ran, well operated meet. So. You got to give him at least credit there.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I, there's, there's a lot of ways this can go, and it's been an issue for a while. Um, we'll see if there's, see if there is a, a, fix that actually comes from this finally, or if it's just going to be what next SPF meet is going to be where uh, a high squat hits a thousand pounds at two forty two.
0: Yeah, well, and then it's uh, you know yeah. another one of those. Another one of those arguments that I always get. It's like, well, you and I both know the SPF is a joke. Of course, you and I know. We're fans of the sport. Other people who are not don't understand that. So we 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 gotta change it somehow. Yeah. And then when Instagram's your only tool, and then you go on other people's bios and it says all-time record holder, like, wow, that guy's awesome. I should get coaching from him. Like, slippery slope there
1: we'll still always have a little bit of that issue because let's, we have all time world records, but people put that in that they're all time world record holders and they don't specify that that world record is an SPF masters to, uh, whatever world record. And they're going to
0: like,
1: they're going to consider that the world record, even though it's one world record of 743 for that same exact class.
0: Oh yeah. That's going to, well, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be from like Instagram, just i don't want to say bullying but you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get people get called out on because you're not gonna you're not gonna get fixed people yeah, being that's, dou-
1: that's the one you can never fix yeah That'll you're not gonna fix
0: people being douchey on instagram
1: federation saying they somehow have a world record like we're joking uh one of the guys that coach peyton ireland um he still holds some apa world records and he thinks they're hilarious like he holds world I and mean, it's just a joke like he, he didn't even realize he helped him so we and wouldn't looked him up and he's got him from like four years ago. And I joke with him that needs to be in his bio that he's a world record holder. But he's he's seventh as a junior ninety three, which yeah. is impressive. But he's seventh at nationals in a junior ninety three. But he's the all time world record holder for APA.
0: Oh oh yeah. I mean I was uh I was in that same boat where um it was actually it was uh very often, all- APF world record holder. Oh, AP, I mean, I'm a technical APF national champion and two time, a oh, two time national champion and two time world champion. Hall of Fame inductee. Yeah, I mean, I should be good. I think I burned some bridges over there with this show, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, like, that was a whole a funny, it was almost like my shame was showing, and it was, it was an embarrassment to, like, and I, I'm not taking a shot at the federation, it was just knowing the sport. I was the first time I talked to Delaney Wallace at the Arnold and we were sitting right next to each other in line, uh, waiting to get weighed in, and we were just going back and forth. He's like, So how long have you been competing in the USAPL? I'm like, Oh, just this is my like third meet and we talked about our past meet experiences because he was coming from USPA and I was coming from APF and WPC. So he's like, So how'd you do in those federations? I'm like, Well, I won the national championship twice and the world championship twice and he looked at me, and he gave me this look of knowing that he's like, oh, shit, those aren't real. <laughs> those aren't real, are they? He's like, oh, shit, I got a world champion here, huh? I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> uh, you know exactly with the with the tone of my voice and my body language, and I'm like, yeah, they're not real, and I know that, but I have to say that I did well in them because I can't avoid it. But, yeah, I guess, I guess people do know, but at the end of the day, you know, like, yeah, you're not going to be able to dictate – Uh, people being douchebags on... We can make a whole segment on hilarious Instagram bios from powerlifters. Yeah. Of them being completely serious. I've seen someone post their actual body weight and the total that they hit in USPA, and they cut for that meat to be at a lower body weight, even though they were well under the body weight already. So it was like a 165-pound lifter who cut to 157... (laughs) And that was their, and they posted their best meat PRs with body weight 157 on there. Like, yeah, that's, that's some, some jabroni shit over there, but it's Instagram. You, who cares? It's a, it's a flex for everyone. You can be whoever you want to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, unless you have anything to add, man, I think that does it with open powerlifting. Uh, the verdict is still they should. Keep on going, keep on doing what they do, and if they ban things, I don't yeah. know if we care. But at the end of the day, they probably shouldn't do it.
1: Yeah, there would be a, that while people are calling for it, that would be a very tough thing to do. And, and if I had to be completely unbiased, they are a database, and that's what they should remain. But if someone could find a way to then create a record system that that be the overriding factor of what we go by, that seems like that would be the best way to go. Yeah, for sure. Open powerlifting continue just to be a database. Because the the one thing I I feel bad is like open powerlifting got tagged a bunch. They're a godsend to powerlifting. Yeah,
0: I I do think they're like the best thing to happen to the sport. Well one of the best amazing
1: that yeah. is amazing so thank you so much to open Powerlifting, and sorry that like you guys got bashed so much because there is some things that like we're talking about that like we feel like they could possibly do but like they they without them i don't know where we'd be we need them so bad so like i think they got a lot of hate for things that they're not even like supposed to like be determining they, they've never come out and say we're the all-time world record overlords
0: yeah i was uh, i mean i was uh, thinking about that i want to make sure we got across in the show that of course they you know fully supportive of them and yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna reach out to them afterwards being like hey the post wasn't because of you guys by the way it was just a question pros because you are incredibly influential in the sport
1: well, that one meme was perfect, and it was the open power – like there should needs to be a, a site that shows actual world records, and it was open yeah. powerlifting going down the bushes and open openipf.org coming out of the bushes. Yeah, I, that mean,
0: was, I, yeah, that, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I love – I mean I love openpowerlifting.org, but that's really for me checking untested lifters. I don't yeah. use open powerlifting for myself and everyone who comes on the shows from USAPL and IPF. I don't bother with it. I go straight to open IPF. So, um, and that's all the same thing, right? That's just the branch from open powerlifting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you well, know. it's just
1: any IPF affiliates on there.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's perfectly, you know, I've, I've, I'm always in full support of open powerlifting. They've never done anything wrong. Uh, they've only done good to the sport. So again, like just, uh, making sure that that post didn't come off as hateful. Cause that was not the intention. But, all right, that's going to do it for Two White Lights. Uh, developments on Raw Nationals are coming. Also, the Texas Strength Classic as well. We're going to get a little bit of a deeper insight on that meet with it coming up because, you know, you got an athlete competing over there, and there's a lot of high-level athletes going to be competing at that meet. So maybe, maybe you'll look for some interviews too.
1: I'll be there, so maybe I could. All right. Throw some down unless you come out
0: too. That'll be awesome. I want so. you so bad. So so much FOMO there. So much FOMO with that meat. But, yeah, it'll be – It's that. the heartland
1: of USAPL right now in Texas, so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for Two White Lights. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.